0: Um, Hover your mouse over your microphone, Gavin, and that's a great way to start the 93rd episode of the Podcast. <laughs> <Overclass. laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Lindsay Shooters, Sharpshooters on social media, S-H-A-R-P-S-E-H-U-T-T-E-R-S. I am always, as joined as always, by the editor of the largest consumer technology magazine on in South Africa, I was going to say on the planet. <laughs> Well, it might be the biggest on the continent. Let, give me that. Give me that. It might be the biggest
1: it's on the very, continent. I, I can't see anyone bigger. Yeah.
0: Gavin Dudley. Gavin, how are you doing? Bixby. No, um, I did not. Oh, did you just activate your Bixby? Yes. Did you I press a button? button?
1: Oh, I did. Right? <laughs> Bixby is just so keen to serve. You know, He's keen to kind of find a niche in your life. Poor old Bixby. Um, Bixby. But it,
0: Bixby. But I'm, using, I'm using the, the Note 9 that I, that I borrowed from you. Um uh-huh. in, in anticipation of getting pause onto the Note 20, which will probably be, like, maybe at the end of, like, this lockdown. So, like, when we go to the mm. stage one normally. Um, but I I forgot how good this phone is.
1: Exactly.
0: This is why
1: it's my personal phone that never gets used. But it's the phone I've, you know, kept as the, the personal phone. Because it really it marries up the power with the format. And it's got the right kind of class in the right areas, you know? Yeah, was yeah. A, I thought the Note 9 was one of the great last super phones,
0: yeah. Mm. still like super big, and my mm. S10 is quicker and does like 95% really? of the stuff. But the extra 5% that it brings, that a Note brings to the table, man, mm. it's crazy. But that's enough Note talk, Kevin. Obviously, yeah. we know, strangely enough, the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 launched with the big Fortnite partnership um, between Samsung <laughs> and Epic Games. Right Right. now, Epic Games are out there swinging, going at bat against the titans, Apple and Google, because they believe that they should be able to have their own store where people can spend money directly with them and not have to give up the 30% or 20% cut to Apple or Google. They publicized everything about the Apple fight more. You've probably heard all about it. You saw the remake of the 1984 marketing video. Gavin, you have feelings. Yeah.
1: Now, um, if you're bored of us talking about the rise and fall of Huawei, I, we don't want you to get bored of the rise and fall of Epic versus Apple, but it's quite likely this is going to turn into an Epic battle that goes on. Uh-huh. For years. Okay. Um, mainly because they've both got phenomenally deep pockets. They both have a stranglehold on their own ends of the market. And in essence, what what's going on, what few people realize is that Apple taxes every developer who puts an app on their store that generates money. So if you uh, are a Spotify user, for example, and you're an iPhone user and you put the Spotify app on your phone and you subscribe to Spotify, some of that money automatically goes to Apple every time. So, and that applies for almost every service that you subscribe to through your iPhone, a portion of the money goes to Apple. And this has gotten a lot of, Uh, uh, app developers and companies really upset because it doesn't appear to them that Apple's actually doing anything for that money. Apple argues, well, it's created the entire environment from which these app developers are thriving. And that's the point with Epic is that um, Epic, Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite, has been so hugely successful on all platforms, Android phones, PCs, and of course, iPhones, that it feels it has some leverage to push back against Apple for taking what it sees as a part of its money. And that's what the fight is all about. So the most recent development is that um, Epic has started uh, corralling allies into a sort of a, almost like a class action against them, which now includes Facebook, Spotify, Sonos, and might include kaspersky none of those have anything like the kind of leverage i suppose facebook has a lot of leverage nobody else has anything like the kind of leverage that epic has just because it has so much clout in the gaming market if apple forces fortnite out of the app store it Which will it affect happens. yes it will affect people's decisions to take an iphone i think maybe it won't be as big an impact as anyone's imagining but it will make the point and it, a Fortnite will have to, a Epic will have to forfeit those users. But maybe that will be enough to make the point. And maybe if enough people side with uh, Epic and Fortnite, you know, Apple will be forced to reconsider. But Apple doesn't have a good track record of being put in a corner ever. So,
0: yeah. mm. so, so latest developments. Um, so, okay, so a little bit of background on how it happened. Epic put out a update, which then. Opened up a server-side discount, and they publicized like this discount, like twenty percent discount if you buy V Bucks through the or anything through the Epic Games Store, and then they just this violates all the terms and conditions of having your app listed, or at least games specifically listed onto the Apple the App Store and on Google's Play Store. So remember, they have filed court papers against Google and Apple. Apple's just obviously the one that they've taken the most. Um, Google has roughly it. the same <laughs> system,
1: yeah you can't you can't make money bypassing them, yeah, Google yeah. and Apple both in the same position,
0: okay, right, but Google obviously you can do side loading, which is kind of the deal that they did with Samsung. in other words
1: you can get the app not off the Google Play Store, yeah. you can get the app from somewhere else, you can't do that with Apple, yeah
0: okay, so what what Epic want here is they don't want any money, they don't want a settlement, they want the freedom to have their own store and to have customers coming directly to them to purchase things and not have to pay the apple tax so there's two things that play here one epic or Fortnite at least has reached saturation in terms of new users so they're not getting the huge numbers of signups that they used to so that's the important thing when it comes to my argument of this so the only way that they can make profit now is if they take more of the money coming in from the existing users so i'm sorry But Apple and Google have at least built up the. as a parent, as a parent of a nine year old who my daughter doesn't play Fortnite, but she's playing Minecraft and she gets really pissed off that I don't give her any Minecraft credits um, to go and buy like different worlds and all those sorts of things in Minecraft. But like translate that to parents who have kids, nine, seven, eight, nine years old, who are on playing Fortnite. Wanting V Bucks, like I've heard oh, really big horror stories from from these from these types of people, and now Epic wants a direct relationship with the credit card that is being paid that is buying those things for themselves without the checks and balances that Apple and Google have invested so much money in. I'm sorry, but I am willing to pay 20% premium to have all the proper parental controls and don't not have my credit card details laying on somebody else's server where I know they here's, haven't done intelligence.
1: Here's news for you. You are paying a 30% premium because obviously the retailer has to mark it up in order to pay Apple yeah, their share. Yeah. So Apple basically, basically is just that. inflating the price of everything and you're paying it. Okay, fine. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I mean, I promised we wouldn't hammer on about this because the week by week stuff is going to unfold. One last thing I would like to add, I'm on the side yeah. of break down the Apple complete stranglehold monopoly on that market, <laughs> which is like a gatekeeper on people developing apps. Sure, it, it makes for a nice, safe, comfy environment. And Apple won't let your app in if the icons aren't pretty, you know, and so on and so on. But I do think that as by, by setting up more and more barriers to people producing apps, they have slowed down innovation yeah. in apps, I believe. On yeah. the one, one point, the last thing I would like to add is before Epic created Fortnite, this blockbuster game, one of the things they produced was a gaming engine called Unreal. Unreal has become the foundation for dozens and dozens of blockbuster games. This is the engine that creates all the physics and stuff inside other people's games. You get the engine called Unreal from Epic. Apple and, Apple. Right. Which no one knows or cares about. But um, Unreal is used on the majority of blockbuster games. and. The way Apple has presented its banning to Epic means that no product using Unreal will be allowed to run in its app store. Or that's what Epic says, which means that a lot of other games and apps are going to get knocked out,
0: which is interesting. What what Apple did was, because I don't know why Tim Sweeney, who is the CEO of of Epic Games, thought that he had the cojones (laughs) to just (laughs) stomp all over Apple. Because Apple were like, oh, okay, cool. Well done on making so much money on the platform that we've built from scratch, just by the way, by having access to our user base um, that you didn't have to engineer or market yourself. Um, I don't know why everyone credits Apple with having an app store. They weren't the first, by the way. Lots of
1: people had app stores before Apple. So, you know, it wasn't the the original
0: idea. Like if the if the iPhone didn't exist, we would still be using Symbian phones, bro. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, Nokia had an excellent app store for its feature phones. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Okay. Anyway. I think we spent too long on this already. Mm. Yes. So what, what Apple's done now is like, okay, cool. Um, since you, you're continuing with this, we now oh. just going to, um, oh, yes, you have violated all these um, contracts that we have in place with you as a developer. So we're going to pull all your developer tools now. So now you can't even make anything that works on on iOS devices. So, yeah, yeah. good luck
1: with life. (laughs) It's going to be a long, boring process, and we're going to try not to bore you to death with it. But it's important in the sense that it could break open the smartphone market again if Apple is forced to allow people to create apps outside of Apple's App Store. It completely transforms the market. So that's why we focus on these things, not because we necessarily care about Epic or Apple, but because of what it means for the market. So...
0: Okay, maybe yeah, we should move on. I don't side with Apple at all when it comes to the, the Microsoft xCloud stuff. So that's the server-side gaming for Xbox where you can play Xbox games, you subscribe to the, system, the service, then you play games kind of in the cloud. Uh, I do not agree with, with their call to to block xCloud from, from coming to iOS um, because I think that's just a play for them to kind of push their own Apple Arcade vibe um, forward. Yeah. Uh, really? But, yeah, the, the epic thing, I think, is completely different. But talking about other big little Dick <laughs> swingers, <Dick> swingers <laughs> Oracle <laughs> has now set, stepped up to the plate to purchase TikTok. Um, Gavin, okay. Does this mean that all our um, TikTok videos will now run on JavaScript?
1: Uh okay, everybody hands up if you know who Oracle is. Okay, you probably only know who Oracle is if you've worked in a very corporate environment or you've been an IT manager in an enterprise class corporate environment. Oracle is the most corporate of corporate softwares. It's a database, it's massively huge and powerful, it's become more than a database, obviously in recent days. It's become an ERP and a CRM and a whole lot of other things. But the fit between Oracle and teenage girls dancing in TikTok is just like what <laughs> are they doing here <laughs> you know what are we going to have like corporate executives dancing to bro music or you know who what is what it they're they looking
0: for in TikTok? Done, so oracle great.
1: oracle along the way acquired a whole lot of other assets in particular the assets of sun microsystems and along with that the rights to java so java is probably might be the most successful programming language in the world at the moment next to python Um, And they own Java. So you need a license in order to program stuff in Java from Oracle. Um, So Oracle does do things other than boring corporate databases. Um, But where TikTok fits in their world, I have no idea. The fact is that Oracle and and Microsoft are both now vying for TikTok. I am concerned that this is just going to drive the price up needlessly. And Oracle doesn't actually want TikTok. It's just kind of driving up the price to... Hurt Microsoft. It would be interesting to see.
0: I think I think Oracle has the cloud infrastructure, and if I'm not mistaken, they're only buying U.S., Canada, New Zealand, one or two other Australia. markets, Australia, yeah. yeah, like a yeah. handful of markets. Um, but uh, it's still worth yeah. a
1: couple of bull, yeah, yeah, it's worth
0: yeah def- several I, billion uh, dollars. I like I like the, the infrastructure that Oracle brings is similar to what uh, Microsoft is bringing on the Azure side of their business.
1: Yes, um, it's, it's been argued that that's why they want TikTok just to have a proof of concept for what massive kind of databases of stuff they can host. Both Oracle mm. and Microsoft have this point to prove to corporates. You know, if you were the web service that hosted Facebook, you know, you would basically just have that as your calling card. Look, we host Facebook, you'll be fine with us. You know, so I guess that's that's the point here. Is like, if you host effectively a, me- a mega service like TikTok, mm. those are your credentials sorted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll so see. So, Devon,
0: going on right now at finished today actually is AfricaCom. it's one of these massive africa focused uh data conferences um well data conference is a bit weird telecom sector in africa yeah yes telco uh Mm. so there's been a couple like we both sat in on on the day one lectures or at Mm. least keynotes and like there's a there's a lot of chatter i Dropped in when they were talking about the over the top um, video services. And I yeah. thought that the numbers um the lady was talking about were kind of low <laughs> when it comes to over okay. the subscription on the continent, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what what do they what do they mean by an over the top video subscription? If it's not satellite, do they mean like equivalent of Netflix? In other words, yeah, an IP based service. Yeah, okay. All, all sorts of stuff. Well, I could imagine that being quite pricey for the aggregate or not for for, for the median income in Africa, which is very low. You know, there's probably this tiny middle class. It's just like South Africa. There's a tiny 10 percent at the top who can afford everything. And the other 90 percent afford nothing. You know, so it doesn't surprise me at all. There's a small lucrative crust of middle class, you know, all over Africa.
0: But I was happy Um, to see like the, the fixed LTE being the dominant broadband in Africa of like having 80% market share, which is amazing. Um, I know the LTE connections in South Africa were quite high compared to, like we were just behind Nigeria and like not far behind Nigeria.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very impressive. I mean, again, it tells you a lot. It means, you know, there's a lot of people whose entry into the broadband world has been through the cellular network. They never had ADSL. They never had fiber. They They might never have either of those two. You know, the cellular network has been their go to for all things. So um, they think that over the next four or five years, the number of smartphone users in Africa will more or less double from about four hundred and forty million today to about eight hundred and fifty odd million in five years, four years time. So um, and they think the driver for that is going to be the sub one thousand rand smartphone which I've seen a couple of. I mean, you know, we obviously hate them because we used to really slick experiences. But I can see how if you just wanted to get access to a little bit of basic information, wanted to WhatsApp your family, maybe in another country, wanted to send pictures of your kids to your relatives, the sub-thousand-rand smartphone would be perfectly adequate. And I could see massive uptake in that. Uh, I've personally reviewed, I think, maybe four or five smartphones below a thousand rand. They were all usable, well, for me, only for a day or two (laughs) before I went completely bonkers. But, you know, I could imagine how another user could actually, you know, with light use, keep that up indefinitely. The sub-1000 Rand smartphone is the big driver.
0: Um, So, so you have a a line on the note here that says, 5G not a priority in all caps. That's why I was shouting it now, which is very interesting. So personal anecdote, um this morning I opened up Instagram and I see a story by one of my close friends, and he just purchased a P40 Lite 5G, which is the cheapest mm. 5G. In the country. Interesting. And he got the, the Huawei Watch GT-E 2G. Wow,
1: wow, really thrown in.
0: We've talked about this. We were on the Huawei keynote a couple of weeks ago where they were wow. talking about the massive growth. and now and I WhatsApped you and I was like dude they are really Give claiming away the, the watches cuz they <laughs> giving the watches away <laughs> well okay
1: but then i will point to um if you look three or four stories down uh it's a, a line that starts Johannesburg South Africa that's just the the timeline yeah, the, <laughs> the date stamp for the story but what's happened is uh The Consumer Business Group, which is quite a prestigious group, and the European Image and Sound Association called ISA, Okay, have (laughs) awarded the P40, the sort of camera phone of the uh, year award, and they've awarded the Watch GT, the uh, smartwatch of the year award. Both of this is a bit weird, of course, because in the first place, the GT2 is not a smartwatch. You can't actually install apps on it. So I don't know how it won the smartwatch award. It is, however, paid for it. It is, however, my favorite wearable. Well, let me read the rest here. It says, "ISA members, these are the people who voted in uh, to say it was the best, include expert media across the full spectrum of consumer electronics from 29 countries, and each member contributes to one or the expert groups, blah, blah, blah. So it's basically the media. It's exactly like the Academy Awards. You know, it's like all these experts in the field who vote to determine the best movie. Yeah, and they chose... <laughs> That shows the P40 Pro as the smartphone camera of the year, a a phone that I believe Lindsay's just finished with. And the Watch GT2 is the watch of the year, which is my favorite wearable of all time so far. Okay, but that's just uh, by the
0: by. You can check out my P40 Pro review on YouTube, that opinion guy. Um, As far as these awards go, when you have to pay to be part of an award, uh, that's not really the industry rewarding you for excellence. That's you uh, saying... I this this is the product functions we, we want you to uh, to evaluate. Dude, all of these things mean nothing. They mean absolutely I nothing. I agree. Every, everybody gets awards
1: for everything these days just for showing up. Okay, but be that as it may.
0: Exactly. Right. What else you uh, got for us? Uh 70% of the phones sold in the US are made in China, says Canalus. Uh, yeah.
1: So pretty much um Between Samsung and Apple, they nearly get to 70% all on their own. The truth is most Samsung phones are actually made in Vietnam, not in China. But um, the LGs, um, Samsungs, the Huawei's, which are now not available in China. Um, But there's a a graphic up at the top there, which I shall just quickly whip open. Uh, So LG, uh, Apple accounts for 47% of the U.S. market, call it 50%. Samsung accounts for 23% of the U.S. market. And then all the rest are minnows. LG is 11%, Lenovo is 7%. And, you know, the miscellaneous others add up to another 10% or so. But if we assume that the vast majority of these are made in China, certainly of the others, which is the Oppos and all those, and the Lenovo is clearly made in China, I think the LGs are made in China. Samsung, the majority are made in Vietnam. But if you take Apple's, 50%, 50%, which are made in China, and you add in the others, you get to 70% quite easily. Mm.
0: So so the line you had before that actually is Foxconn is leaving China, they're moving 30%, it now performs 30% of its production outside of China. That's up from 25% in 2019. And they are moving a lot of that into Vietnam, um, Thailand, and it, it, India. India, India, India so it yeah, 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 yeah. So if you if you're not a geek, you have probably never
1: heard of Foxconn in your life. Foxconn first rose to prominence when it's employees making the would, iPhone. Well, <laughs> making the iPhone, which followed shortly by people throwing themselves off the building in despair. Yeah, they to,
0: would, every they week to, somebody yeah. would
1: just throw themselves out the window in despair because they would they work these people so hard.
0: they safe. Yeah, the stop people,
1: people. <laughs> throwing themselves off the building. I mean, Everybody it sounds very funny. 10 years ago, this is exactly what was happening, by the way. I mean, because, I mean, at the time, the meteoric rise of the iPhone, you know, production just could not keep pace with demand. And so these people would work shifts around the clock. They would have like, you know, two or three jobs at Foxconn just to keep things going. And they would kill themselves. Anyway, Foxconn has now established that cheap labor is no longer as plentiful as it once was in China. People have bigger, greater expectations of, of pay packages and and work benefits and so on. So Foxconn's moving into other markets, Asian markets. India is an interesting case. In India, they've got such huge tax on phones coming into the market that many big manufacturers have set up shops to make their phones in India, Mm. of which Apple is actually one, And several others are making their phones in India just in order to bring it into that huge market at an affordable price. Because when you bring in fully assembled phones from outside, they tax it so heavily. So Foxconn is one of they those.
0: S- successfully moved the 10R. I know all the iPhone 8s that were sold since like the middle of 2019 were mm-hmm. all manufactured in India. Then the SEs were also being manufactured in India. And then they oh, moved be
1: seller, hey? the yeah.
0: SE2 as well now, which is all. That sort of stamping out those things. And then I think the... I forget which one. I forget which model. But there's like one model of the upcoming iPhone twelve which will be completely but, manufactured in India. Yeah, uh, it's was, quite intriguing. It's intriguing.
1: It's just like South Africa making these Mercedes-Benz, you know, that are being sold yeah. all over the world. Uh, it's quite intriguing that India was producing this high volume, high quality product being sent all over the world.
0: It's anyway. interesting because um, when HMD bought Nokia, they sourced straight from Foxconn, so they were being built to the same quality um, yeah. as, as the iPhone. A lot of people like didn't expect that move. And mm. then Huawei also were running on a split line on Foxconn for long years, and then they moved that. But obviously, they were still sourcing their processors from TSMC, which then you could see how the, the IP would leak. The innovations happening at what Huawei was bringing to the table. Cross pollination from one brain to the other. Huawei launched the the neural processing unit on the Mm. Kirin, I forget which uh, model it was, but it was on the Mate Mate 10 Pro. 20.
1: Okay. Uh Yeah, it was on the Mate 10. There was a Gen Uh,
0: 1 NPU. First AI, yeah. When the iPhone launched, like that A series chip was also the first one with their NPU, and it was like, (laughs)
1: Okay, Oh, very interesting Foxconn. Foxconn also set up shop in America. I think they were given massive incentives by Trump yeah, and others. they haven't actually you know, done
0: anything, though. They haven't
1: actually produced anything. Apparently, there's just a massive premises with tumbleweeds blowing
0: through it. Well, yeah. you know, metaphorically. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, moving on. Um, Gavin, we got pricing for the S7 and S7, the Galaxy Tab S7 and S7 Plus. Um, mm. It's laughable. <laughs>
1: oh, jeez.
0: I, 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 I'm a big fan. I, I, I love the fact that Samsung is still very much out there supporting productivity tablets. But yeah, these, these prices are a little bit crazy for the Tab S7. Crap, I just lost it now. Moving along. No, no, yes, I think the, you can't, you can't Tab start the A7 processing in 21,000. And the Tab S7 Plus is 25,000 Rand and that will be launching on the 1st of September, you could buy a very, very handy laptop for that price.
1: Yep, full-on gaming-spec laptop for that price. So, look, my position on Apple is quite well-known, but what have I always conceded? I've always conceded that the iPad is Apple's truly triumphant product. It's a kind of a humble kind of product because it's not as sexy as it once was. I believe that if you're going to get a tablet, iPad is the only game in town, basically. Yeah. and i mean you know you can't as samsung come up with an android tablet that costs the same as a gaming laptop and you know i don't know what you think you're doing there you know yeah maybe um, i mean mm. Mm. sorry yeah. yeah continue
0: that's that's not a problem so so i set my sisters up with like a Hong kong chrome costume <laughs>
1: Hey, Sinophobia is <laughs> <Just, These laughs> racial slurs. Just say it one more time, just so we can have you on video saying it so
0: we can no, hold you before some tribunal. And obviously it doesn't have like the slick Google home, like app interface and all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of, you have to turn on like screen sharing and then, detect the thing, and then share, stream directly to to it. Um, obviously, my okay. sister wanted to watch Netflix on a big screen and not yeah. like on a phone. Oh. So, so this then got me into a conversation with him about how difficult manufacturers are actually making these things. It's like in in the in the keynote, they'll say, no, we can do wireless screen sharing, and then never explain in any meaningful way how you can do, do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's our
0: job, Lindsay. Our job is to break it down for people. That's
1: precisely our job, is to help people get that right.
0: Not so? Yes, yes. So if you are investing in in one of those off-brand Chromecast jobs, that doesn't actually interface through the Google Home app. You can just go to the quick settings on your phone, on an Android phone, and go to screen sharing, and then open up that, and it will search. Obviously, you have to plug the thing into the TV and power it via USB. And then it should find the dongle and you should be able to mirror your smartphone screen directly to the TV. And then if you're going on Windows, if you have Windows 10, you can go to your quick settings panel and there should be a tab called project. And then you do the exact same thing there. And, yeah, sharing your screen is not the expensive or task intensive business that it once used to be. It's quite easy now and that all right. comes like along with like that that your phone companion kind of vibe that that microsoft yes has. oh yeah
1: everything wants to interface in a smart way with everything else yeah. it's it's all somehow, I mean you know we've been the pioneers in the stuff so we've had to go through all the teething problems four or five years from now everything will just connect with everything else with like a one button solution you know yeah. we had to go through the configuration and the stop start problems and the you know but you know in the future so windows phone companion is uh, it's a mobile application that helps your phone speak smartly to your PC. Apple has a great system. I believe it's called Continuum, I think it's called. That allows your iPhone and your iPad to work seamlessly with your Mac PC. On the Windows version, which is the version I'm dealing with, um, four main functions that you can take advantage of. So you've got to install the Windows Phone Companion on the PC and then on the phone. And they it connect up with each
0: the other. New devices.
1: Okay, they connect up with each other. It can be a bit of a pain getting them to handshake, and then you get four services. The first is SMS. So all your SMSs that are on your phone are now available on your PC. This is useful if you've got important phone numbers, important information, serial numbers, this sort of thing that arrive by SMS. But of course, you can also send SMSs from the from the desktop, which is great. Um, You can also save those texts out in case you need to save the text of an SMS so you don't lose all the stuff, you know, if something happens to your phone. Um, The second thing is pictures. So you can see on your PC all the pictures on your phone. You can copy the files over. You can do different things with them. You can even rotate them, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So you can see the pictures on your phone in a quick and easy way. The third thing is... I'm going to skip to the fourth thing because I can't remember the third thing. Oh, notifications. (laughs) So so everything that's arriving on your phone is a notification. New Facebook posts, new WhatsApps, all these notifications that you would normally get by sliding down from the top of your phone screen. All those appear in a single pane on the phone, on the the PC desktop. So you don't have to look at your phone for the stuff. And the last thing, which is the thing I've been experimenting with most recently, which I think has only really been implemented properly about now, is making telephone calls through the pc through the phone mm. so um, you could dial on the pc you can dial with your mouse seven eight three four nine two six, and you speak and if you're wearing a headset and you're connected to the pc it just connects through the phone and makes your phone call that way you never actually have to pick the phone up and hold it to your head you just deal with the pc which is kind of cool i had some problems using a bluetooth headset to do that there seemed to be a bit of lag in the data Mm -hmm. getting back and forth to my Bluetooth headset. But a cabled headset seemed to work just fine for making phone calls from the PC through the phone. Really neat idea. It means, you know, you don't get distracted by having to pick up the phone when it rings and, you know, have your music get interrupted and stuff like that, moving, taking the headset off and putting it back on to deal with the phone. So um, these are the four functions from Windows Phone Companion, an app that you can install on the PC and also on the phone, and they speak to each other. That's my tip for
0: the week. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Um, I, I have another personal anecdote. Um, we were sitting in the bedroom the one day, and my wife props her iPad up. She's like binge-watching the Gilmore Girls on Netflix, um, and the iPad is propped up, and we're chatting, and I'm like, um, your cousin is calling you, and her phone is obviously <laughs> inside in the kitchen, like on the kitchen counter, uh-huh. and she was so surprised that she could completely take a phone call on her iPad. Without, like, oh. setting anything up or, like, doing anything, like, unintended. <laughs> okay, this, <laughs> is, this is continuum at work, right? Yeah. So This is an iPhone yeah. and an iPad. And, yeah, you just connect your – you you tick the box in your iCloud settings so that you can do that. And it just works everywhere. It gets a bit confusing sometimes, especially when you're moving between devices like I do. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, right. yeah. I'm like, not sure uh, where things originated. Yeah. But okay. With, with your phone companion on Android and using, like, the WhatsApp – in the browser or like on the desktop yeah whatever like you can pretty much go through life without using your phone without touching your phone touching the phone yeah yeah Yeah. which is which which is which is quite interesting and i mean yeah also the interplay between apps like skype like we're using now if you ring me on skype it will ring on all of my devices that is connected (laughs) it up from anywhere and yeah I, i like that convergence talking about convergence gavin I don't know what you think about it, but I am still super excited about this Microsoft Surface Duo, which is coming at an extraordinary price with last year's components, a tiny battery. It's a dual screen Android device yeah. with Microsoft optimizations that works with a Surface Pen or any active stylus. And I am so looking forward to replacing my iPad mini with that device.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, unfortunately, the duo is taking a bit of flack because everyone was very excited when it was shown as a concept. So mm. this is a, a phone that opens like a book and forms a, a dual screen tablet. Yeah. Um, they had to rewrite a lot of code in order to get things to spread itself across the two screens. Something that everybody else has struggled with, except Samsung has got it right, you know, for, to have a continuous screen. Um, and everyone was really excited for this This Microsoft product and then the price came out and I think the price really soured everyone's kind of experience of it. I think it was a great experience but not at that price. To be honest, I can't remember the price. I just know that everyone's freaking out about the
0: price. It was like $1,400, which is just insane pricing. It's going to be
1: close to 30,000 Rand, yeah, yeah, yeah? Yeah. For something that's not a top spec flying product. If I was given one, I could definitely see myself making it my daily driver. I don't use all the processing power all the time like you do. So, you know, I I, I do think I can
0: make it my daily driver. Um I can I can definitely replace my iPad mini with it. Um mm, I don't know specific, about it, definitely. It was one camera that's a front-facing camera. It's like a weird it's like an 11 megapixel or something. It's like a uh-huh. 10 point something in between is, Yeah. Very strange. Okay. Um but for like video calls like this, where on the iPad you kind of you it wants to be um, in landscape, but the yeah. camera is on the, the on portrait the top. Uh, okay, right, okay. The <laughs> uh, uh, camera is at the back. So yeah, I, I can see it doing that. I can see it wow. playing right there, like as a laptop sort of replacement. Mm. Um, there's a lot of ways I can see that putting into my life instead of carrying like a dumb tablet or, or at least <laughs> I yeah. don't know why. Well, I, I mean, yeah. you know, we we're beating up on
1: Microsoft, but really when Samsung's first foldable phone came out it was also 40 odd thousand rand yeah. and while we wasn't far behind that you know so obviously your first incarnation is what they call the buckwolf price you know it's like the this is just a concept guys we want to show you we can go to mass production but this is not our big hit the next one is the big hit you know yeah. so we'll see when they go to According true to mass, mass production
0: Warren, um, at the verge you should actually be looking out for version three um, because okay. he spoke to a microsoft Designer once, and he was like, they always have three iterations of it that they can choose from, and so like you, like they nailed the surface form factor on the Surface Pro 3. So you always Uh want like the third generation. But anyway, that's just my little tip. But I'm still super excited for that device. Would love to get hands on with it. You've been playing. You've been playing with some Surface devices yourself. I actually. Okay, I'm not going to
1: go in. I actually don't want to talk
0: about it, if that's okay. I'll okay, talk about no, it next week. Right. <laughs> okay, um, right. And when I see you next week, we'll have more things to talk about. Gavin, this has been oh. lovely as always. I am Lindsay Shooters. I am Sharpshooters on social media. I am thatopinionguy.co.za is where you will find me on the internet and thatopinionguy on YouTube. Gavin, what's happening on your side?
1: Uh, not a whole lot to talk about. Just a little shout out for CNBC, which is hosting a – free webinar tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. about the future of work. If you're concerned about the future of work, if you're an employer, if you're an employee looking you know, to upskill or find your way in the future of work, if you're a job seeker, you might want to join the free webinar. I think it'll take the form of a couple of panel discussions, which I always quite like, especially when people have disagreements, because then you get the best information. So yeah. this is uh, CNBC, the future of work tomorrow starts at 9. Look it up online and join up. That's oh. that's about it for me.